Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Degani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh Concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup, Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Schmack's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the, in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the Data Mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and exciting. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode, so you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. We tried something different for the next few Jamax Corner episodes. So this is the first in a series of episodes where we had kind of one continuous conversation about, and this first one is about kind of the why now for data mesh and what people need to reevaluate when it comes to their data management approach. You know, what are the base level assumptions we've broadly made about data that just don't reflect the real world? You'll hear the uh, next part of the conversation in the next episode. So please enjoy. Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani. Very, very excited for another episode of Jamak's Corner. So Jamak, thank you again so much for, for being on here today. And um, what we're going to talk about today is kind of a, a set of questions that we're going to go over over the next few episodes about, you know, within your book, uh, page 13, you talk about what is a paradigm shift and like why data mesh is a paradigm shift, what is a paradigm and all, all of that. And Let's talk a little bit about the like what that means, but also why it's important and why, you know, Thomas Kuhn talked about there's incremental progress in science and there's revolutionary progress and that within data mesh, we need to stop trying to only do these little incremental steps because so much of what we've done in data 
clearly hasn't really been working for a long time. So trying to incrementally uh, move past that is we need to really take some hard shifts. So I think um, let's start a little bit with that, that like why you picked that and and um, why you, you included Kuhn and why you've talked about him in a lot of things. And then we can start to talk about where do we really need to completely rethink where we we need these hard shifts and then we can kind of cover a couple of those across a few episodes sure well thank you so much for having me again um maybe you're right maybe we start with why did i use um you know the reference to the work that thomas kuhn had done in 1960s in fact um I think that reference is probably used in many different scenarios, but it was very apt in the case of observations around pain points with existing paradigms and the need for the shift. I think, well, let's let's talk about his work. So in his book, The Structure of Scientific Revolution, he introduced this concept of a paradigm shift, and he was a historian of science and philosopher of science. And what he had done was observing how science has progressed through the history And he had come up with kind of four phases of science. And I felt we were in one of those phases with regard to data management for, you know, kind of analytical big data. So what he describes uh, is a phase of normal science where, you know, there is a set of paradigms have been established, set of assumptions. Within those assumptions, we are just proving to do a bunch of observations and scientific experiments to see what we expect to see pretty much, right? And then he said, well, as we do that, we start seeing some anomalies, right? We can't really solve some of the, we can't really answer some of the observations. And then we go through this crisis phase, which is, oh my God, the the universe doesn't make sense anymore. And we have to like fundamentally change the way we are describing these scenarios. And that then we move to, you know, revolutionary science. So like, you know, what the, what we were describing with the Newtonian kind of system of gravity, you know, we, we had a paradigm shift like with Einstein's like general relativity or with, you know, um, kind of Newtonian mechanics to quantum physics. So these are, we went subatomic and we observed and the, the laws of physics didn't make sense anymore, right? So, so I think, so now what does this have anything to do with data mesh? What did I put it into the, in the book? Um, was because I felt we were in the crisis mode or the anomalies mode, but we weren't really talking about it. And in in fact, there's another observation that Thomas Kuhn makes in his book that a lot of the times where the folks that come and talk about the anomalies and surface this crisis are either novices, like they're just like, I don't know, students or people that just entered the field. So they're not, they don't have that well-established model system of the world in their, in their brain or they're outsiders that coming into a field. And I felt that was the case, probably, um, you know, relevant to data mesh as well. Um, I came from outside. I came from, you know, very heavy real time data driven distributed system building world, like distributed operational systems that they were heavily working with data came to the world of like traditional data analytics, BI, and observed the crisis or the anomalies that existed and kind of surfaced that, right? That's, that's basically what happened. And it just, it just felt like (laughs) the history is probably repeating a little bit here. And what was the crisis was that 
you know, we've, we have made a certain assumption to describe the universe of data man- management based on centralization, then based on pipelining, based on functional silos. And that all made sense to us. So we assumed that that's the world and we were incrementally making changes, but yet the bottom line, the outcome for the organizations were plateauing in terms of um, you know, increased value and results. So there was a mismatch between the efforts that we're putting in to manage the data and the actual Val and the cost of that and the, the actual value. So, so let's call that a crisis moment. And then we've got to now think about okay. So then, what's the revolutionary bit? What's what's the thing we've got to redefine and reassume um, within this ecosystem? Yeah, and I, I liked especially what you said there towards the end of the output of the value was plateauing. It's not saying that what had happened historically in data was not of value. It's not saying, hey, like all this stuff, you know, we should have been doing data mesh 20 years ago or anything like that. It's it's the scale up versus scale out um, debate of the early 2010s in the distributed systems world of, hey, scale up, the the cost of incremental scaling is, go, the cost is logarithmic, whereas the value is linear or often even sublinear Right of serving these incremental customers, it's uh, it, you're getting less and less value from them, and you're spending more and more, and that obviously doesn't work from a unit economic standpoint. So, like exactly what you're talking about. Um, and and I do uh, I don't know if uh, if you've ever seen the the movie The Outsiders or whatever, but isn't that the one of like Pony Boy or whatever? I think it's like it's from the early '80s. Like I think that's the movie. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know. We, we we might make some jokes from that in future episodes. But um, so I think this is a really important thing. Of uh, I've talked to a couple of people that are coming out. Like Alice Parker is just coming out from doing her master's thesis, and so she doesn't have the scar tissue of well, this is the way we've done it. And you know, I, I talk to these these data people and like. Martin Chesbrough is somebody that I, I really admire because he's been doing data warehouse stuff for 30 years. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we totally need to change. And I'm totally ready to change versus these other people have been like, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. So um, but like you you kind of mentioned three things that um, that were kind of core around how data management was done. Do you think those are the the three kind of core things that we really need to look at, at really moving away from that centralization, the pipelining and the functional silos? Or is that like, if you were to say, what was the most broken piece? Or is it difficult to say there is a single most broken piece because they're all intertwined? <laughs> or Yeah, I think it's probably a hierarchy. And I think for this audience, we probably now should navigate the hierarchy a little bit um, top down because I see a lot of folks, let's say, let's say centralization, let's say data collection, centralized uh, ownership, control, and architecture of the data is the top level bottleneck. But then you scratch that, like you scratch that, okay, okay, so say, okay, if we, if we made that assumption, what other consec, you know, kind of consequent assumptions we made, 
And then if you break those ones down, what are the technology that have been developed to satisfy those assumptions, right? So I think it's like a hierarchy that we've got to scratch. And then the more we get to the to the bottom, the leaf nodes, I think the more practical advice gets. So so maybe let's let's just scratch it a little bit from like just traverse it from top down and we can see how where the conversation goes. Yeah. So, I mean, when you are looking at that, when you're talking to somebody that has been doing data for a long time, what what do you think is the 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 practical advice to rethink? Like, what do you think is the thing where you say, hey, here is the assumption. Here's the, the thing that will cause the most friction because it's the most deeply held um, belief that you didn't know you had this belief. Right. It's a it's a subsurface level belief that yeah. you've just kind of made that this is an ingrained assumption. Yeah, I still like to go back to like talk about these fundamental series of assumptions, but just to answer this, like what is this magical litmus test that I can give you to self, you know, assess at any point? Are you making a decision based on these ingrained assumptions of the past versus I need to challenge my decision? I don't think there's one magical litmus test that I can give people, but if, if the, it was, it would have been, am I assuming constant constancy? Is that the word to be constant, like a state of constancy and control, a centralized synchronized point of control for this to be successful uh, or not? I think that's one of the litmus tests. Like for, for example, when people say, oh, we want to do, you know, ontologies or master data management or, you know, have one definition of the customer. The approach to that often requires a point of sing- single point of synchronization. You've got one definition of su- customer somewhere controlled by one entity that everybody else needs to adopt. And that essentially assumes some inherent consistence, you know, a, a state of being constant. Uh, so then, so that's, I think that assumption needs to be challenged as opposed to you might say, hmm, how can I achieve the same outcome with a very different approach that assumes change, assumes a level of chaos, a level of change at different cadence, at dif- in different points of time and in different places in the organizations around the customer. And I still want to have some form of it emergent consistent view of the customer how do i solve that that's a has a very very different solution so if i give one litmus test are you assuming a synchronization synchronization is the achilles heel of any um, distributed system right whether it's a human system or machine system so it would be that but i think to be like a bit more example give you a bit more examples maybe we just let's just navigate this hierarchy of assumptions and see where we're So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks, looking to partner with others, and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat Data Mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.